With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What if you could make fresh, delicious meals at home without the stress of planning, prepping, or cleaning up? Introducing Tavala. Tavala is a first-of-its-kind meal service that makes eating well effortless. By combining a countertop smart oven with delivered meals, just scan a QR code to cook dinner. First, choose from a variety of chef-crafted meals delivered weekly to your door. When you're ready to eat, just do one minute of easy prep. Next, scan your meal's QR code with the Tavala Smart Oven, while the oven automatically switches between modes and temperatures for the perfect cook. Just sit back and relax. Your food's ready in 25 minutes or less. No shopping, no chopping, no cleanup. Simplify mealtime today with Tavala. Go to Tavala.com now to save $150 on a Tavala Smart Oven when you agree to order meals six times. That's T-O-V-A-L-A.com. Promo applied automatically at checkout. Tavala. Eat well effortlessly. Tavala.com. Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes. It's Thursday. JP Mason joins me as usual. And Brian Degnan, who's normally on a Wednesday, comes in to make it a three, makes it a treble. You know, is it going to be a treble winning season? Who knows? We are keeping it alive. Just before we came online, there's plenty to talk about after last night, JP. Um, 
I I was talking to you leading up to this and you were asking about the Jota disallowed goal. I watched the game like most a lot of Celtic fans who weren't at the game. I watched it on the red TV. So they didn't labour the discussion around Jota's disallowed goal. I watched it again this morning on Celtic TV. So we'll talk all about that as well. JP, you were up there at the game. Tell me what was your experience last night? Uh well, it kind of was inspired by uh, Sunday's uh, events and not getting a ticket for Motherwell away. Oh, and, I hadn't uh, heard. You never got a ticket, no. <laughs> <laughs> that, certainly, uh, that certainly blew up a little bit on Monday. Um, I, didn't, I didn't really expect that, that sort of uh, Twitter debate. My phone was going absolutely bananas. I had to turn my notifications off because it was just... Folk just jumping on it, calling us entitled, calling us spoiled, and all this sort of stuff. And uh, uh, for anybody that does, they know somebody put out Lisbon, Lisbon Lion. I can't remember the name of the Twitter handle, but he put up a post basically saying why, why did Motherwell not give us more tickets when there were so many empty seats? And I replied <laughs> and tagged Alan Burrows, the CEO of Motherwell, in it, and uh, he replied to me uh, with quite a lengthy. Uh, you know, three or four thread uh, post, and mm-hmm. you know I totally get what what he's saying, and I I, I don't disagree with it. Um, it might not be, you know, to everybody's you know sort of uh, choice because obviously the loads of Celtic fans want to go and see the team home and away. Um, but yeah, he basically said he was building building something at Motherwell, didn't want to disrupt the home fans. Um, you know. And long and short of it, he said, short term pain for long term gain was was kind of the the narrative, and uh, you know it, it was a it was a it was a very kind of uh, not friendly. It was a friendly you know back and forward. There wasn't anything uh, bad about it, and then it ended up making the news that night. It was like the Sun did an article on it, Record did an article on it, uh, it was on Super Scoreboard. <laughs> so. And you were described. You were described, JP, as an angry Celtic fan. Yeah, yeah, and and he even alluded to that when I went back to him and said I didn't think you came across as angry at all, which is why I replied. You know, he said other people took it in other directions. You know, the whole debate took it in other directions, and he went, "Well, that's Twitter for you, isn't it?" And I was like, mm. "Well, yeah, it kind of is." So, but one person did reply and said, "Don't know why you didn't just get a mother of a woman ticket." There was a few of us did it, and we just sat and kept ourselves to ourselves. And nobody said anything, and I went, "Hmm, that's an idea." So that's what I did last night: sat in the (laughs) with a mask on and a Man United scarf, and uh, didn't cheer the Celtic goals. Sort of four cheered the Aberdeen goals. Stood up, gave it a kind of clap, and then sat back down, and then just went, "Oh no." Please don't let our title hopes evaporate in the stadium while I'm in the home end. Oh, um, JP, right, Welsh people are jumping on you. Someone has got that footage. They're going to release it to say you're not really a Celtic <laughs> fan now. You understand that, eh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll take it. I'll take it. But it was just good to be at the game because I just want to see the, the, the game. I don't want to watch it on a, on a pay-per-view TV. And I tied it in with going for dinner with my uncle beforehand. So um, it was a win-win for me and, uh, and very much a win-win because we got the three points. So... Yeah. Alan Burrows falls out with angry Celtic fan at the weekend and then he fell out with Tony Watt last night. You've obviously rattled him, JP. Oh, did he? I, oh, did he? he did. I, no, no, in person. In person oh, at the game. Yeah, oh, at the right. game. And um, both of them have come out and said it was uh, handbags and they love each other, etc. Brian, what's your take on this? Because, you know, it's an ongoing issue in Scottish football in that, you know, some uh, teams have relented 
at St Johnston, for example, and then they've gone back and they've they've not given Celtic as much access, Celtic fans rather as much access as they had done. If you are approaching this from a business perspective, every single club, I would guess, should um, sell as many tickets as they possibly can for every game against Celtic and every game against Rangers. Now, is that just me looking at it through green-tinted spectacles? Surely it's a, a good business decision to ensure that, you know, I think it, St. Johnson had to ask something like 103 fans to move to allow Celtic an entire stand. So you think about the money for the tickets that St. Johnson sell to allow Celtic another stand, plus the average revenue per fan once they're in the stadium on pies and fruit shoots, and then... Obviously, you make a lot of money and you do it times four every season, twice against Celtic, twice against... I mean, 103 fans, surely you can repay them in another way. Am I, seriously, am I looking at this through a Celtic prism, Brian? I don't think it's... I mean, you put it like that, it makes sense. I think um, I think Burroughs and his conversations with angry fans like JP, um, I think he actually put it across <laughs> quite well. I think he made a decent point. It, I think there's still ways around it. Um, you know, there's no reason why you know, they could rearrange some of their season ticket holders into certain sections and open it up bigger for their way fans, especially when it is Celtic Rangers because you know they're going to get filled and you know it's going to make money. And is it going to make a huge difference to the to the atmosphere? I mean, is it is it really that much of a dehabilitating factor for these teams to have more away fans in? I don't think so. Um, but again, it is always hard, right? Because for us, we would say, oh, want more fans in there, want more our fans in. Mm-hmm. But I suppose with, with Burroughs, what he did do was communicate his reasoning behind it. <clears throat> so whether you agree or not, you can at least see his point of view and you go, right, well, OK, I can sort of see your point. Might not agree, but I get it. It's when the other teams sort of don't really have any sort of logical reason for it. And that's that just seems kind of petty, a wee bit silly to me. So I think it depends. Um, but see, with, with Burroughs, I actually think he, he came across fairly well, actually. Motherwell have done quite a lot recently mm-hmm. that have been impressed and um, I think he was another one and it's nice that he actually comes out and engages. So I think on that issue, I'd say at least he'd had good reason, but on the wider football issue, yeah, right. I mean, from a sort of financial point of view, it, it makes sense to have the most fans in as possible, right? You would think so. Uh, but again, we, we criticise Scottish football and Scottish football teams and again, last night, we can't even watch it on Sky Sports. We can't watch it on any broadcast other, other than the PPV service that Aberdeen put on. You subscribe to Celtic TV, Premier, Sky Sports, what's the other one, BT. Uh, you've got the season ticket pass, you've got a season ticket, but you can't watch the game. That's frustrating as well, JP. I mean, I obviously wasn't up at Petodji last night. I was in here and I covered the game with you and Martin, uh, who might or may not be. Yeah, yeah, there he is. He's actually in the comment section. So last night he's on the show and this morning there he is. Hail, hail troops. And so, you know, you do feel as a Celtic supporter, though, a wee bit hard done by JP in that respect and that you're buying all these packages just to watch Celtic games uh, and go to Celtic games. And then last night was yet another occasion where the only way of watching that game other than a dodgy stream somewhere is to pay twelve ninety nine and watch it with two Aberdeen commentators. Yeah, I mean, I paid, what, £27 for a ticket and uh, I got the train up and then uh, very kindly got a lift back by pal Robbie. Cheers, Robbie. Um, so I got back in the, I don't, I don't know, about half twelve, one o'clock um, last night. So, um, But all of that, for me, 
although I was sitting in the home end and it was a weird experience, I've only done it a few times before in my life. St Mirren, uh, Falkirk, Brockville and Anderlecht in the Champions League. Now that was a tough one because I had to sit in my hands when we, were, <laughs> when we went 3-0 up in the Champions League. It was a, it was a, it was a, a really hard one <laughs> to, to do. But, um, but I, uh, I, just, I just like going to the football matches. I, I've sat in my flat for the last year and a bit or whatever, or the whole of last season, sitting watching games in my flat on my own, unable to go and see anybody. Is it any surprise that my desire is even higher at this moment in time to go and watch football matches in person? And then the allocations that are given to our support are so small and the demand is so high because I'm not unique. Everybody's the same. You know, other people have been chomping at the bit to go to the games um, whilst we've not been able to because of the, this uh, pandemic. So it, it's it's... That's what's going to happen. You're going to, and maybe not. You're not going to, maybe not going to get it on mass. But you know, I, you know, nobody can come come and shout at me for you know behaving myself in the Aberdeen end and watching my team win. And it was, it was, you know, as much as it was not great in terms of I couldn't celebrate. You know, I just had a mask on, so no one could see my big wry smile, which was. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just sitting there absolutely loving life. <laughs> Meanwhile, people are around about me going absolutely mental, calling us septic and everything else. And I'm just no, like, dear me. I've done it. I've done it once. I've done it once, and it was at Easter Road in the 1980s. So probably not the best time to actually yeah. do it. Um, That's an choice, Paul. An uh, from from a young, um, foolish man, boy, yeah. at that time. Um, Brian, you've done it as well. Done it at Old Trafford, don't you? Yeah, I done it Celtic Man United Champions League game. Mm-hmm. Um, I was assured on the bus on the way down there was a ticket for me. And then I got there and I was the news was broken to me that there wasn't. The only ticket available was a home end. And I was in the, the full hoops with a daft fighting Aggie scarf right in the middle of a sea of red, just myself. It was horrific. <laughs> um, and I, I, I was steaming, right, because I just got off the bus. So first I was I was boisterous enough. I was kind of clapping and seeing a lot of people in that and being a bit of a widow. And then about 10 minutes in, we scored first, I think it was excellent. And uh, the atmosphere, you seen the, the head start to turn. And um, I, I'm not going to lie, I bottled it, absolutely bottled it. I went, oh no. There was two Irish guys next to me, my new fans, that I tried to befriend. <laughs> off and I got battered. But um, that was a tense, tense night. Were you wearing one of the jester hats that Enrico Anone wore after we stopped the 10? Were you wearing one of them? Did you make it that obvious, Brian? I, I, I think I had some form of heart when I got definitely I never the jacket right um, full hoops on and we were right under the, the away stand the Celtic fans were up the top yeah they were just going for it and then they were shouting back and forth and I was in the middle going oh lad he's a break um, but I enjoyed the game but the good experience but I started getting nervous when about half time I was like Do you know what I'm not going to bother going to the toilet or going for a, a pie yet I'll, just, I'll hang fire make sure I'm safe and then that route when possible Dearie me, you put your life in your own hands. Martin O'Neill is in. That Martin O'Neill? Who knows? Full throttle football and blowing teams away is great, but to expect it every week is a fanciful notion. Winning these narrow and tight games is another thing potential champions need to be able to do. Absolutely. And um, when I was talk, uh, watching the game, even though, JP, we were up 2 nothing at half time, I didn't get that same sense that I did, for example, against Rangers 3 nothing, um, against Hibs 2 nothing, where you're really in cruise control. I didn't get that. I didn't think it was as free-flowing in the first half. Did you get that impression yourself up at Putaudry? No, uh, I didn't. And But at the same time, you're thinking, well, we've not played really that great 
and mm-hmm. not at the same levels as against uh, Rangers and Motherwell, but we're still two to the good. And you're like, well, you can't really argue with that. But the Aberdeen fans around me were absolutely livid at their team's lack of fight and, you know, just a general play in the first half. I mean, they, they weren't, although we weren't at, weren't at it, they were so far off it, it was unbelievable. They weren't getting near us. Um, and that was us in, you know, a, a pretty low gear. So I, I, I the, the halftime, of, something obviously happened at halftime between the team and the Aberdeen dressing room and they obviously came out and maybe Bruni's had words, or Bruner, as he's called up there. They call him Is Bruner. Does any of them call him Browner? No, no, they've got a, they had a flag at the other side of the ground. Uh, so the, the different corner from the beach end, they had a flag. Oh, I mean, he's only been there, what, six months? And they've already mm-hmm. got like a legend-style flag with his face and Bruner written on it. So they got, considering a load of them did they want him when they, when they signed him, and now he's, you know, the the uh, the, the, the hero of the, of the of the place, you know. But no, they, they, they came out in the second half and, and took the game to us. You know, they were physical and as you kind of sort of expect them to be. I mean, Rangers didn't have an easy game up there no. a few weeks ago. You know, only came away with a point. Could quite easily have been the same with us last night, but I'm still curious about this third third goal that was ruled offside. It kind of looked like he had stopped because it was right in front of me, but I don't know what the I don't know if he was offside or not. So, well, tell. I'm glad uh, you brought it up on the the WhatsApp this morning when we were having a wee chin wag because um, it prompted me to get in about the Celtic TV coverage, and obviously. Uh, Tom Boyd is as as balanced as they come on the Celtic <laughs> TV commentary team, um, but I did watch it several times just to try. It definitely was on because he curves his run. He, yeah. he does the old Larson thing. I'm not comparing the players before anybody says I'm trying to compare Jota to Larson. But you know how he used to do that horseshoe run where he runs towards the ball and then around the play. He does he does that, um, and he's on side when the ball's played. There's no doubt about it. And then there was a suggestion of either handball or a push, and there was absolutely no chance that Jota either handballed uh, or pushed the player. And, um, you know, I think what took the sting out of it is the whistle blew before he kicks the ball. So the whistle blows, then he finishes it. But there was absolutely nothing wrong with that that goal. And since you brought it up, um, and I was going to get it uh, to it. Anyway, what was your thoughts on the, on the disallowed goal, Brian? As I say, I've watched it time and time again with the, the balanced musings of uh, Tom Boyd. And... <laughs> For me, it was a perfectly good goal. Yeah, I think it was a perfectly good goal as well. I don't see the the huge issue around it. Um, I think I think it was it Ramsey was up against, wasn't it? I think he went down quite easily. Mm-hmm. Um, it made it look worse than it is, but yeah, I mean, it should have stayed. Um, and yeah, I suppose it balanced itself out with the, the controversy over the the third goal with Abada potentially interfering with play. So. You know, I think the result would have been the same. I think it's still the three goals. It's just depending on what one you you want to sort of dissect more. But certainly, I don't think it was offside, and I don't think it was a full in the build up either. Yeah, you'll get a chance to see it, no doubt, uh, JP. But I'm with Brian on this. I don't think there was anything wrong with Jota's goal. No, well, I mean, it, I, like I said, I, I, you know, I'm kind of like taking the Costa Coglu stance on it because I was behind the goal, and you know, I didn't spot the. The, the offside uh, line as he as he made the as he made the run, um, but for the third goal, you got you've got Willie Miller and Pat Bonner both disagreeing over the third goal, saying yeah. one, one saying that it wasn't offside and there was no interference, and the other saying that it was, mm-hmm. and then there seems to there doesn't seem to be a 
you know, a scathing widespread condemnation of that goal as being like completely offside and therefore it was, you know, it should have finished 2 2 or anything like that. There seems to be. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. I don't know, whenever, whenever Celtic are in these tight margins, the, 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 the benefit of doubt is very rarely given to Celtic, is it? It's always, you know, um, kind of, oh, well, yeah, you know, they got lucky with that one or, you know, whatever. And it's just like, I've watched that a few times uh, on various different uh, you know Twitter posts, and I, I can't see what's wrong with it. I mean, I, maybe green tinted specs, like you said earlier, but I, I, I can't see what's wrong with it. Um, you know, they, they, yeah. put their hands up, they put their hands up immediately for offside as the ball goes through to Jota, and Jota's not offside, so no. that's what they're claiming for. They're not claiming about a badder. <laughs> they're putting their hands up for Jota, and, and I thought it was, a, it was a great finish as well. To be fair, it was. I was going to mention the finish. Uh, Willie Miller obviously refereed about 500 games when he played for Aberdeen, so I'm going to take Willie Miller's take on this because he disagreed with Pat Bonner and he said there was nothing wrong with it. Abada wasn't interfering with play, um, and yeah, the way that Jota finished it though, and I'll throw this one over to yourself, Brian. He just basically. You know, he doesn't panic. He plays it into the ground so that it bounces over the keeper. It was it was a brilliant finish. He might not get the credit for it, um, but it, it begs the question. I mean, he scored a double on the strap line there, the importance of Jota. This man is so, so important. I know that in the early parts of this season, early dispatches, it was all about Kyogo, and rightly so. Kyogo was sensational. Um, but at this moment in time where you kind of need that, that hero, Jota's the man. Uh, and, you know, not just the creative side of it, but these important goals. That's the second time he's done that at Pataudry for us. Yeah, the, the guy's a magician. He just pops up in the right place. I think he's, um, I think the, the, the first goal was almost even better for me. I think O'Reilly's delivery in the box was incredible. And for Jota to chase that down in such a narrow margin to get it in was exceptional. But you're right about your point about the amount of players we've got that are feel like superstars and talisman just now. You know, at the start, it was Kyogo was the headlines. But now you're talking about Jota, you're talking about Hatati, O'Reilly, Abada. You're talking mm-hmm. about Carter Vickers being strong at the back. You're talking about how good Dralston's been, how good Juranovic is, the improvement in Roderick Beaton. So, and that's what good teams are about. And I know we're going to talk about it, but I think some of the reaction last night was was insane because people were going, oh, Hatati's rotten the night. And so, well, do you know what? Sometimes when you've got teams, good teams... Some of the players don't shine all the time. But the fact is, if Hatati is having a bad game, you've got a Jota. If they're having a bad game, you've got an Abada, an O'Reilly. And that's the brilliant thing about a squad that we didn't have at the start of the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jota's just incredible in his goal. The, the controversial third was, um, well, according to Brunner. Brunner, according to Brunner, it was controversial. But um, I, the technique was excellent. His tongue had it in composure. Just, just absolutely wonderful. I think he's a real... You know when you get players like when Van Dyke was at Celtic, when Yama was there, etc., and you think these guys, he's been here for long. I feel yeah. like there's a, maybe two or three in their team now that I feel that about. And I think he's a real cut above what we've seen for the last few years. That's an interesting point you brought up there because uh, quite a few years ago before uh, we had the... Um, 
the technology to go live and show people what we actually look like. And we were just a wee audio podcast. We had a conversation, Kevin, Colin Watt and myself had a conversation all around, um, you know, the team we could have had. You know, if you, you mentioned about specific players there who were quite clearly shining um, superstars of teams. And you could probably go right back to when we won the first of the nine. And you could look through that that group of players over that period of time because nine years, JP, you think, you know, they're all contemporary. Some of them will be a wee bit older by the end of it. But if you were to have changed your model and not relied on bringing a player in, selling them within three years for a profit, the team you would have had was astonishing. So you're talking, you know, Fraser Foster and goals, Tierney at left back, Van Dijk in the middle. You could argue about who part partners them. Is it Boyata? Is it Denier? But you could go right through the team, you know, Wanyama and Dembele and Eduard and Paddy Roberts and the players that we've had um, within that period, Sinclair probably would get a game, were incredible. And then you ask the question, what could that team do in Europe? And it's a frustration of mine because I know that the only reason we have the individual players for that period of time is because they're on a promise that they're going to move on elsewhere. So I totally understand that. I'm playing fantasy football, but on the back of your point, Brian, if we were to keep this group of players together, uh, because they're not hitting their peak quite yet, you look at Hatati, there's a lot more to come. And then you're able to supplement that with another couple of transfer windows, JP, and you're getting the quality in that Ange obviously um, is seeking to bring into the club. Then you're looking at a situation where um, it's the real deal. I mean, at this moment in time, I'm getting carried away. We're sitting top of the league. Um, However, there's so much more to come from Ange. Another couple of transfer windows. um, And, you know, he brings in some more players like O'Reilly, who I'd never heard of when we signed. Um, Did I know any of the Japanese players before we had signed them? No, going to be honest. You know, and I'm pretty sure a lot of Celtic fans were the same. Had to go out there, do our research, find out where they played, never mind how good they were. But if he's got that kind of ability to spot a star, we bring in another couple in the next transfer window and another two or three. Then you're looking at a side that um, I think it's it's evolving right now, but it, it's a, it, you know, people are saying he's building something special, JP, and I think he is. Last night, you're going to get that in Scottish football, right? The old adage, it was, um, can you do it at Brockville on a, a wet Tuesday night? You're going to get games where you just got to grind the result out. And we'll talk about the character and the mentality around that. But can you see a point where we need to put the stoppers on this um, model, this recruitment model, and say, you know what, we're going to hold on to these players a wee bit longer this time round so that we can build something special. Because I would loathe, I'm loathed to think of Hitati in the English Premiership. I don't want to see Kyogo leaving the club in two or three years. You know, it'd be great to keep them together and actually build something, something that might be able to make an impact um, outside of domestic football. Well, as long as we can keep the manager, because I think the manager's key to all of those guys being here in the first place and obviously ultimately staying. Um, with regards to uh, O'Reilly, um, somebody made a point on Twitter this morning that that guy, Riley McGree, hasn't even kicked a ball for Middlesbrough yet. <laughs> you know, And you think of the contribution that uh, Matt O'Reilly, I know, I think, I think he might have had COVID within the last week or something like that. But other than that, he's not he's not contributed to Middlesbrough yet. Whereas you think of the contribution that Matt O'Reilly's made in the month of January and of late, um, you know the guy does look really really good and and feels like we have. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff said online about it, but it feels like we've absolutely robbed MK Dons mm-hmm. of a player there. 
and you know <laughs> sometimes that happens to us and uh, you know it's, it's nice to do it the other way around with regards to the Japanese players yeah I hadn't heard of any of them with any uh, real um, kind of detail but I did hear and I think I might have mentioned this before the guy Liam on Celtic Down Under podcast he mentioned Tatate a long time ago like probably last summer when they were t- they had a conversation on that podcast about potential players that he could bring in from Japan and he definitely mentioned Maeda and he definitely mentioned Hitati and I think maybe we already had Furuhashi almost in the door or, or, or whatnot but, um, so I'd heard of them through him um, but other than that you know obviously he's, he's you know plucked a few gems and, and the conditions last night were freezing. It was absolutely Baltic in that stadium last night. And I didn't have the luxury of being packed in in the Celtic away end where you might be getting a bit of heat from the person next to you. I mean, I had four spare seats next to me. Do you know what I mean? And uh, it was just, I it was, I'm just sitting there absolutely shivering and obviously didn't even get that sort of moment to celebrate either team's goals because obviously I couldn't celebrate the Celtic goals. And I didn't really want to celebrate the Aberdeen goals in any way that would give me any uh, uh, body heat or anything like that. So uh, I, I was I was on to plums in, in that in that scenario. But um, yeah, regards to keeping the team together, I think Postecoglou has alluded to it in a recent interview where he kind of said we want to be in a position where we can take our game to anybody, and we have taken our game to to everybody that we've played. You know, Leverkusen, Betis, mm-hmm. um, which does whet the appetite to think that if we were fortunate enough to get into the Champions League, we might not be on the end of a scudding that we have in the past. Um, you know, obviously there's still a very high chance that if we were to pull, you know, a Bayern Munich or, you know, a PSG, then, then that could happen. But if we got a decent draw, you know, where we weren't absolutely, you know, um, you know, punching uh, or trying to punch above our weight, then uh, we could maybe, maybe come out of that with a bit more uh, dignity than we have in, in the past. Because, I mean, I was at Paris Saint-Germain that night. They scalped us 7-1 and uh, that is, is it's no fun. It's you know great going to Champions League away games and everything else and the banter during the day and being in the square and all that. But then when you get horsed 7-1, it's not really something you want to experience you know, often. Um, <clears throat> No, you never want to see a Celtic, no matter who we're playing, you never want to see a Celtic side on the end of a 7-1 drubbing. Um, I'm going to bring in some of the comments here before I come back to you, Brian. Uh, Jungle Line, long-time viewer of the show, welcome back. You're watching on YouTube. You can't play great every game. Over a season, you'll play like champions five or six times, play poor two or three times, and the rest, you just grind out results like last night. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Chancellor, welcome to the show as well. Sorry, afternoon. Uh, you did think it was morning, but, you know, the mornings disappear. And, um, yes, we have Steve McGonagall. Um, what a game. This is not good for the nerves. It was some game, let's be honest. I mean, five goals, uh, disputed penalties, disputed, disallowed goals, etc. Um, a, a tremendous a tremendous game for um, anyone watching as a neutral. Obviously, us three were not in the neutral camp. But you mentioned Ange Postecoglou. Um, the other day... And last night, I mentioned the fact, you might have heard, that um, I got a phone call from a good pal of mine, ex-football coach from 30 years ago, Mick Hutton from High Valley Field, if you're listening, big shout out to Mick. And um, interesting enough, Mick kind of like fed my obsession with George Conley because he's big pals with George. 
and he used to give everybody a football on a Wednesday night at training and say, right, do keep up. And he told us a story about George doing keep uppies at Celtic Park in the European night against Dynamo Kiev. You know, this young 16-year-old laddie for High Valleyfield going right around the stadium doing keep uppies. It's, it's part of folklore at Celtic. But that was Mick's pal. They grew up together in Valleyfield and he, he used to get us to do the keep uppies. And he started off my obsession with George Connolly, which led to me writing the Quality Street Gang. Anyway, I hadn't heard from him for years. And he phones me up. And he said, and it just came in my mind there when you were talking, JP, he said, we must keep Ange. So I'm going to come to yourself, Brian. Ange Postacoglu, obviously, he's been in the door eight months. You look at the transformation. Uh, there were a few with an Axon team who had been battered by last season. And they were saying, you know, as long as we can keep in the title race, I don't expect us to win the league. I did. I want us to win the league every season. I, you know, I'm greedy that way. We're in a situation where we're sitting top of the league. We're going up to Patorgi on a Wednesday night, a freezing cold Wednesday night for a must-win game, and we win it. Um, Ange Postecoglou, um, you know, Mike, Michael Nicholson's been given quite a lot of credit for signing players. Surely there's a priority working all, uh, around in the background here that we get him on a secure long-term deal because it's only a matter of time, Brian, before the vultures start circling Celtic Park for Ange. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it depends how you... You need to understand this well. Maybe Ange doesn't want the, the secure long-term deal. Maybe their own contract suits him just as much as it suits Celtic. And if we're honest, if we get Ange in a five-year deal, does it guarantee he's going to stay for five years? All it guarantees is that we'll get a, a payout if something takes him. Really? A la kind of Brendan Rodgers. So uh, I'm kind of less concerned about the contracts um, for managers particularly because I feel like I kind of, the way Ange speaks... I don't think there's any sort of um, lies in him. I think he's very honest and, and very upfront, and he seems very clear that he's determined to, to leave a legacy at Celtic. It, it seems when he speaks like he won't be satisfied unless he's left some sort of mark in this club when he leaves, when he eventually goes. And that's not going to happen just one season. So I've no real worries about him leaving anytime soon. Um, interestingly, though, when we were, were chatting earlier about the retaining, re- retention of players, Mm-hmm. So there's two factors I think with that. What I think would be interesting is if you talked about Celtic changing their transfer mode. What I think would be good is if we say we did win the league this year, right? We get an influx of money. See if they use that money to readdress the wage structure and maybe retain some of these players on bigger wages to start them get attracted to go elsewhere, as opposed to and the, the, the offsetting that would be you know spending money in transfers because you've got such a key squad. That might be something they could visit. I know they're, they're, they're kind of want to do that, but if you look at the, the ages, you know, Abada's 20 or early 21, Hatati's just turned 24, Jota 22, Carter Vickers 23. Mm-hmm. These are guys with massive potential and sell-on value. If you could retain them for a couple of years, the money you would make would offset the increase in wages you've started. So I think that should be something they could consider. Um, I, I just don't necessarily think that applies to the manager as such. Well, Interestingly, um, I'm just looking at an email that came through here from one of our friends in Australia, and he was talking around this. Um, it's been focused on recently, you know, the the relationship between Ferenc Puskas and Ange Postecoglou. It goes back to their time at South Melbourne, where Ferenc Puskas was obviously the manager, and uh, Postecoglou was a player. 
And uh, at this moment in time, I won't say who this person is. It might become clearer later on. But in Australia, I got this message just this morning. Uh, South Mer- uh, Melbourne and its role is fundamental to understanding Ange. In particular, his deep understanding of football clubs as community institutions that give meaning, joy and comfort to people. South Melbourne was set up to help Greek immigrants in Australia, just like Celtic KFC was set up to help Irish immigrants in the East End of Glasgow. He gets it. So this is straight from um, a fan over in Australia, JP. So, you know, the suggestion that absolutely get him on a long-term deal, I get a different vibe from Ange. I don't think he would, you know, you know, until the job is done, until the project and the race is run, I don't think Ange would uh, look elsewhere, regardless who, who was maybe sniffing about from the English Premiership. What's your take? Is that me just being an old football romantic, JP? Well, it's obviously, uh, you know, we've been bitten on that particular front uh, by, so we sound the klaxon, Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I, I was... Uh, I was all in. My chips were all in on Brendan Rodgers. Never in a month of Sundays would I have expected him to disappear like a thief in the night and be paraded in a Leicester City suit, you know, within 24 hours. I mean, I don't think any... Maybe maybe, maybe a lot of people will, will sort of uh, use the benefit of hindsight and say, well, yeah, I knew that was coming or it was only a matter of time or whatever. But not to leave in February ahead of a game away away at Tynecastle with a semi-final on the on the following weekend. I I just I would never have thought that would have happened. Uh, with Ange Postacoglu, my belief is that he wouldn't, you know, even dare do that. I don't think he would want to do anything that would tarnish his reputation with the support. I really don't. I I I unless I'm being completely stupid and naive, and I bet you there's one person I know right now that's watching going, Oh you are, oh you are, and you know Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. No, I, I, maybe I am, <laughs> um, but I, I, just, I just don't think he would do that. I really don't. I think he's cut from a different cloth. I've listened to him enough. God almighty, I've heard every press conference he's done I've heard every post-match he's done 
Um, and, you know, you like to think you can sort of glean a bit of what someone's about from those interviews and from him being, you know, brutally honest um, yeah. about, about his, 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 his love of football, his plans for this football club, um, and also the times that he's made mention of people making a mark at clubs as they pass through. We want to make a mark at these clubs. And he's seen firsthand in only six months what, um, you know, being at a football club and making a mark at a football club can do at somewhere like Celtic. Bertie Ald passed away. He saw mm-hmm. the reaction to that. It's not pleasant that it's taken someone passing away um, to do that. Vim Janssen as well. So he's seen a former player uh, and, you know, huge, huge champion of Celtic beyond his playing days. And he's seen a, a former manager and he saw the reaction. So he knows that he, he can be held in that sort of category. And he's got a, an open road in front of him to be able to do a, a blank canvas, whatever you want to call it, to do whatever the hell he wants to do. And he'll be thinking, the sky's the limit here. I've got money to spend for the first time in my life as a, as a manager because I've, by all accounts he's never really had a budget as a manager before he's got the potential of nights like last Wednesday you know in Europe as well as what we did today <clears throat> last Wednesday I mean that is a, again it's maybe maybe me just sitting there going oh you know I'm a Celtic fan or whatever but as someone who is just a manager in a job there's not many managers get opportunities to have have um, uh, things like that in front of them to to basically play about with and have fun with. And he had fun last Wednesday, and he admitted it himself. He said, "Oh, I got a bit embarrassed at the fact that I was the last one out in the park." But I mean, I think all of us would have been exactly the same, you know. Think about how great that must have felt after being so badly written off, you know. All, all of these, you know, online Twitter memes and. You look at the replies to the original Sky Sports News post that announced his position, announced his uh, mm-hmm. as manager. Have a look at that and get some popcorn because believe me, it'll uh, make good reading given what he's done in the six months that he's been here because he's made a lot of people look really, really stupid. In fact, I can't believe half of those tweets haven't been deleted because you know they're, they're embarrassing, frankly. Yeah, uh, now Paddy Lavey comes in to say Ange won't leave until he wins something in Europe. Now, I think there is a chance that that's in, that is in Ange's mind because, you know, when he comes in at the beginning of this season and he looks at the task in hand and he's barely got a team, he's got one right back and it's Tony Ralston, who at that point everybody had written off. Um, you know, he's, he's forced to play Dane Murray in a Champions League qualifier. A must-win Champions League. He makes his uh, second appearance, his first start in a must-win Champions League qualifier. He knew what he was up against, but I still believe, um, going by the way that he spoke in the every interview that he, that he gave and conducted and everything that he said since, that within him, he would have believed he could turn it around. And, you know, when you think about European success... I've always said that our ambition season on season should be to be in Europe after Christmas. So we've done that, you know, um, albeit some people don't regard the third tier of European football to be anything to write home about. Uh, right, OK, so on the 25th of May, if we're in the final, you, you won't be wanting a ticket then. Um, and I think that there will be ambitions that he won't come out and talk about. 
But it wouldn't surprise it wouldn't surprise me if he does have these ambitions. Some people might think they're lofty at Celtic. Some people might think that it's impossible to achieve that at Celtic. Robert Highland comes in and says he wants to test himself in the Champions League. He can best serve this wish at Celtic. No EPL top four clubs are going to come in for him. And it's true. I mean, you go down there and you go to a club that's um, you know rich cash rich um, and the, the kind of money that's kicking around a lot of the the, the, the clubs in the lower reaches of the, the English Premiership you've got no chance you've got no chance of getting in, into the European places um, you might be able to play uh, with all the, the transfer fees and buy players for £25 million as if it's just you know a quarter of a million quid but if you've got ambition to do something in Europe there's a, a select few teams Brian that you can go to in England unless you're going to you know, revolutionise a club, which doesn't happen that often uh, in English football. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things to, to take note of here as well. Like, So the first one is in, in, in terms of Ange moving. Bear in mind as well, he's 57. You know, he's just moved over to Japan. How likely is he to want to start to move again and rebuild again and again and again? Now, I'm not being ageist. He might, might manage to play 70, but... I don't think he's going to be any, or he's not some sort of young pop that's using Celtic as a stepping stone. This is a, the biggest, you know, management job he's ever had. So, and he's doing it at a, a time in his life where his family's settled, he's very experienced and well, he's very happy. So, I think there's that factor as well as is in movement. Um, you know, when we talk about Brendan Rodgers, obviously he was a lot younger and I was like you, GP, I was really surprised he actually went when he did. But I did expect him to go at some point because oh, yeah. he's you know, I thought he's going to have ambitions of, of managing uh, winning the Premier League. Um, in terms of the, the actual about Europe, I think Angie's been quite open. He joined that he wants us to be the absolute best we can be. If he's playing in Europe, he will be thinking, we want, I want to win this. I don't think he would ever go into a competition, Europe or otherwise, and say, oh, you know, let's, let's try and ride out a draw. Let's see if we can maybe get to the last 16. He's going, let's do our best to try and win it. Let's get to a point where we're evolving and we're constantly improving to where that's a realistic option. And if ever gets to that stage, let's win it. If we win it, let's win the next tier. I think he's got that mentality where he just wants us to improve and not have limits. You know, he keeps talking about how we're... And I agree with him. He's very much at the start of the journey. Mm. He keeps there's so much improvement in the squad. And he keeps getting asked. And he's also getting fed up, getting asked, but keep asking about... Uh, Progression, how close are we to the, the finished article? And he says, well, we're nowhere near it because as soon as we get to that point, we need to improve and be better. There's no finished article. We just keep going and you know, and, until we've achieved everything I want us to achieve. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think he's sitting in his hands. I think, you know, and look, I'm, I was one of the people that thought winning the league this year might have been too much given the rebuild. Um, and I'm delighted that it's looking like we actually, you know, we're probably favourites to win it now with the performances and the fact we're talking the league. Um, and I'm stunned because I thought, you know, the rebuild was so big. I thought it's going to take two or three, four maybe transfer windows to really get right. But he's, he's and I think even by Angie's standards, he's, he's further ahead than he thought. Given, you know, I think he spoke about it well, as well about how in general it takes a couple of years to win something. Mm-hmm. But it builds what he wants, whereas he's, he's, you know, he's trying to condense it in six months because he saw that as a challenge he had to do. So, um, yeah, there's so much to look forward to. And I think he'll be looking at the, the conference again thinking, I want us to win this. 
You know, I don't think he's thinking, can we get the semis this year? He's thinking, let's win this. Let's win four trophies this year. In my first year, in my second year, let's win another four. You know, I think he's got that mentality and, and, I, and I think it's infectious. And I think the players are buying into that as well. Well, Brian, I find it interesting that at the beginning, of, obviously because we don't delete our content, JP, uh, as much as there's some bad takes from all of us at some point, uh, it's all out there. And if you rewind eight months ago to when Ange Postacoglu was, was um, appointed and you compare that to the amount of comments that are actually talking about European football and, and what Brian's just suggested there, it's an incredible it's an incredible turnaround because for me, you think the... Um, European football for me growing up was virtually non-existent. It was virtually non-existent. So, and I've said this a million times, people will, will come up with a klaxon for this one, but between 1964 and 1976, in those 12 seasons, Celtic reached at least the quarterfinal of European competition on nine occasions. That's a, that's a European superpower. We won one, we got to a final once. Uh, there were two semi-finals, etc. But the last time we progressed to that kind of heady height was 1980, when we played Real Madrid. And we beat them 2-0 at home, they beat us 3-0 away from home in the Bernabeu. And from that point to Martin O'Neill's time, we never progressed beyond Christmas. So my upbringing was Celtic... As a, as a domestic football club trying to win the league. It was never a European thing. You know, you, you played Germinal Eckerin or you played Neuchatel Zamax. Uh, it lasted one or two rounds at the very best. Sometimes you drew a Borussia Dortmund or a Sporting Lisbon and it was a sexier fixture, JP. But as a European force, it didn't exist. And I remember growing up thinking we will never get to the point of being a European side ever again. And then O'Neill comes along and he completely changes the mindset. Mm. He completely changed the mindset and he never came out. You'll remember his, his introductory um, words to the Celtic fans on, on the steps at Celtic Park. He never came out and said, I'm going to win this and I'm going to win that. You know, he was very humble and it basically he always put Rangers as the benchmark, didn't he? Um, because it was a 21-point swing, I think, mm -hmm. back then. And obviously, and just come in, he's not been banging on about European football. In my Celtic sporting life, I believed under Martin O'Neill we could do something in Europe. I didn't believe under Gordon Strachan, and he proved me wrong, because he got us into the last 16 twice. And I believed under Brendan Rodgers that we could do something in Europe, and I got that wrong as well, because we didn't we didn't really make a dent. Um, under Ange, though, I don't know. It, it, you know, like you said before, you can get changed in, I mean, pretty quickly if you make lofty suggestions. But I think in the back of his mind, JP, he looks at the European heritage of this club the star above the crest, and he, in his own mind, will have ambitions in Europe as well. Oh, I mean, I think you'll need to look at what we did in such a short space of time. We was, you know, what, two, three months into the job and we're going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Betis in Spain and then latterly going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Leverkusen uh, in Germany. You know, that's that's not with this team right now that's fit and firing. That's There's no Hitati, there's no O'Reilly... You know, there's no, you know, we're months down the line with the Starfelt Cameron Carter Vickers partnership. You know, Greg Taylor's back, and I don't know if Greg Taylor was playing at that point or if he was injured. Um, Juranovic isn't the player that he is. And by the way, Brendan Rodgers better get his hands off Joseph Juranovic. Like, that that, that can't happen. <laughs> um, I, I really, really hope that's just uh, nonsense talk. But when you see Fabrizio Romano's name in and around it, you start to get a little bit concerned. Um, because, again, he's one of those players that you want to see play for, 
you know, a couple of years at least, you know, mm-hmm. to, you know, give him the opportunity to play in a in a more developed Ange Postecoglou side. But you know, it's not it's not lofty to suggest that you know next season in Europe we could do you know better than we did this season and better than we did this season is if you know if we're in the Champions League, great. You know, we could maybe make a fist of it in that, and if we drop down into Europa League, go a bit further in the Europa League and, and qualify and make progress on on something we've not done for a while. Um, I really don't think that's that's uh, crazy to think. And when I think back to the Villarreal um, uh, winning side, there was a lot of stuff at that time about how little they'd spent. And what mm-hmm. Just, you're, you're sitting there going, we are Celtic. How the hell are we not able to do something like that? You know, when we've got the, 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 the sort of the minerals to, you know, yeah, scout wisely, get a good manager in who knows how to arrange a football team why are we not able to do that? I'm not suggesting that we should be winning the Europa League every season, but when you see some a club like that go and beat Man United and 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 beat a Man United team that was like hundreds of millions of pounds, and obviously that happens every week now in the English Premier League. I mean, firmly taking points off and stuff like that. But there's not exactly any feet if you if it's if a European side does it, but you know it just make it just. It, it, Puts up, a, it flashes up a huge question mark in the sky to go. We could do, we could do this. This is not beyond the realms of possibility that we could actually, you know, have a decent run in Europe, and you know, who knows, depending on draws and whatnot, get you know to the latter stages of, of a competition because we, we've seen how good this team can play, mm. and they absolutely dismantled the champions last Wednesday. You know, and that this is supposed to be this side that's been hailed as this great side of, you know, one of the best sides in the last, you know, 20 years because they went unbeaten in a league season and everything else. And there were two defeats in 61 games or whatever it is. We absolutely battered them. Humiliated. So, you know, you take that into the next level, which is Europe. And, you know, I, I, I wish we had, you know, a European game against. Somebody, uh, you know, of note soon. I mean, Bodo Glimt, we beat Bodo Glimt. Nobody's, nobody's going to give us that much credit for it because they'll just be like, oh, well, they're a European minnow. Do you know what I mean? But if we go out and hammer them, then they might, maybe people might think differently. But it's just a shame that we're in this lower-tiered European competition. But I guess none of us expected us to be any, in anywhere near European competition at the start of this season. We were just all going, right, the league's the most important thing. If we can still be in with a shout of the league, Come January, February, then you know we're we're on to some sort of uh, positive strides, and and we're top of the league and mm-hmm. top of the world. Carpenters, as was yeah. sang last night, Love there's it. an original 1973 copy of the song that was uh, filling the stands in Patojo last night, which I was uh, quietly humming to myself. Humming, underneath, yeah, underneath the face mask, <laughs> tapping, the, tapping the foot. <laughs> <laughs> and of course the Decca label that's on the front of that uh, became the Oasis label that became the Axon label so um, it's nice to recycle uh, I'm going to talk about that jersey over your shoulder by the way one of my favourites if not my favourite away top that Celtic's ever had but you're talking about how can we not do that how can we not use our finances better and you look at Hatate, Maeda, Ediguchi, O'Reilly coming in at roughly the same price combined as a Jetty and then you think well maybe we are 
on the road to, it's quite clear we're on the road to doing it completely differently. But going back to a point, uh, just going back to your experience last night, JP, I remember watching, so dig it out if you get a chance, the Anfield rap. Um, interviewed someone who was employed by Liverpool to get bums on seats, right? So basically, um, I was listening in my back garden to the Anfield rap, and it was the episode that I thought to myself, uh, I think I could do a Celtic podcast. And it was an interview with, um, I forget his name, but he was a specialist and he had worked all over the world in different sporting arenas, not just football. And he was tasked with getting bums on seats at Anfield. And the interview he gave was completely uh, mind-blowing when you think about the way that Scottish football teams and businesses go about um, their day-to-day running of their clubs. Because he said, at no point should there be an empty seat at Anfield. And that's the first point that he, he enters the argument at, at no point should there be an empty seat. And I think that if you market it properly, and we've heard it, was it Barry Hearn has said it also, if you market something properly, 10 years ago, what was the darts? 20 years ago, what was the darts, JP? Sweaty guys drinking pints and chucking arrows at a dartboard. Look at it now. Things can be marketed completely differently. And I think we're still at that stage with Scottish football where it's sweaty, overweight guys with with pints chucking arrows at a dartboard. That's where we are now with Scottish football. And it needs to be completely revisited and remarketed, particularly when you look at how easy it would be to have a streaming service online. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You know, you know, for the worldwide fan bases to, to tap into. So we're talking about some of these players that have come in as well, Brian, and we're 51 minutes in and we haven't even really spoken about the game that much last night. But um, one of the discussions prior to the game was where um, do we go in terms of the centre-forward? Is it Yakamakis? Is it Maeda? Maeda got the nod. Did you agree with that, first and foremost, before we talk about his performance, Brian? No, I would have probably played uh, Yakamakis. To be honest, I think he looks a confidence player and I think he's played well the past few games. Um, up against like Big Declan Gallagher, I thought that'd been a good contest for the start. Uh, <coughs> hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Like I thought Meade was poor last night. I've got to be honest, it's a lot of endeavour, a lot of work ethic, but touches were, were really heavy at times, and you know he missed that chance for the header. It, it just looked a wee bit off it, which is to be expected because he's still finding his feet. Mm-hmm. But with that in mind, you know if it was Kyogo coming back to fitness, I'd have started Kyogo. But if he's in, in a, a degree of form and the team's getting used to playing with him up front um, as opposed to me either making those runs, I, I didn't see why he changed it. Um, but again, maybe maybe Yakimakis needs the rest. Maybe practically ready to go. Uh, but for me personally, I probably wouldn't have changed it. Um, but again, hindsight's brilliant because if Mida scored a hat-trick last night, then you're not talking about Yakimakis. So, so yeah, I understand the rotation thing. He's obviously reasons for it 
Um, what I was surprised at is that, you know, Hatati looked quite off it, and I thought he might have took him off a bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he was a wee bit tight. It just, there was a wee bit of kind of lack of energy in the midfield last night. And I'm not being negative because I thought the result was excellent. I thought the character we showed and mentality was brilliant. I mean, at the start of the season, people were saying, oh, Postacoglu's no plan B. Postacoglu can't see out games. Postacoglu can't manage a game. Celtic can't even ugly. And we done all of them last night. And we have been at several times. Um, so there's a lot to admire in that, especially when, if you're not playing well, you're, you're winning games. Um, but that said, there was things you could see. There was a kind of lack of energy in from the midfield, and um, that's that was probably more an area of concern than up front. Although, as I said earlier, I thought my either was was quite poor last night. I was watching it with interest um, because obviously it's going to be one or the other until Kyogo comes back to to full fitness. There had been suggestions, JP, that both Jota and Abada can play through the middle, but then the quality of your right and left is is dipping uh, dramatically if you bring in Mikey Johnson. And I'm going to say James Forrest, not because I don't rate James Forrest, but he hasn't quite hit full fitness and full sharpness yet. So Maeda gets the he gets the call, he starts the game, Yakamakis is on the bench. If I'm being kind, I would say that Maeda chased down every single ball. His work rate is top, top class. And then sometimes the secondary benefit of that is that it's opening pockets of space for other people to to get into. The likes of O'Reilly can go in and, and destroy teams uh, with with his uh, with his guile and his passing ability. Um, there was a chance at 12 minutes where it was a great move. It was a fantastic move by Ralston and Abada, actually. The cross comes in. And he should have done better with the header. And I think that moment could have been um, the deciding factor for his entire night. Like Brian says, it could have just, you know, uh, cracked on from there. He got his goal at the weekend, but it was a bit fortuitous with that, um, the wee dink of the, the player's uh, knee or ankle or whatever it was. But over the piece, he comes off at 75 and Yakamakis comes on and does what Yakamakis does. Are we at the moment looking at both those centre forwards um, and thinking, well, You've got Maeda, who apparently was top of the shopping list when Ange came in, talking about players to bring in from uh, Japanese football. He was ahead of Kyogo. He doesn't look like he's in the same kind of level as Kyogo, but I'm not writing him off because we've not seen enough of him. But he's working hard, as does Giacomacus. But at the moment, we don't seem to have that figurehead. I don't think we do have a striker that is... I mean, we're relying on Yota scoring a couple of goals in a midfielder in O'Reilly last night. I don't think we've got the figurehead once... Kyogo drops out so far. What's your observations been with Maeda uh, from what you've seen, JP? Uh, yeah, I mean, like you say, as you know, industrious and, and he, he runs about, uh, chases things down as you know does Kyogo. I mean, Kyogo puts so much pressure on a on a keeper that's uh, no real. Like hurries them into making mistakes, and uh, I think Maeda is the same. I think he's obviously a completely different type of player to Jackamarcus. Jackamarcus. On Sunday against Murano, I thought it was great and was the cause of at least two of the goals. You know, his movement and pulling defense defenders away gave the space for um for the goal scorers on Sunday. Um and by the way, see on that, um remember after the Dundee United game we got absolutely slated for having having a pop at Jack and Marcus. Or not having a pop at him, but basically saying he didn't play that well. Mate, that was just in the WhatsApp group, never mind Twitter. I well, I mean, yeah, but the, the the two guys I got I've told me last night go week in, week out, massive Celtic fans and uh, brought it up and they were like, 
yeah, if we'd have gone on air after that game and spoken about Jack and Marcus, he wouldn't have got glowing praise from us either because he was he wasn't very good. And mm-hmm. um, you know, on the other side of that, you could obviously say if he'd have scored that goal and Seagrass had made that save, then he he would have been the hero and Abada wouldn't have been. But all in his play that day wasn't that great. Um, I think again, it's one of those ones where it's a Wednesday night at Petardry, it's freezing cold. Um, it's not a pleasant atmosphere really to play football I wouldn't have thought um, and you know Aberdeen in the second half were a, a, a more committed outfit um, I, I don't think you know I'm not going to say Maeda should then get dropped for the next game I mean who knows what's going to happen in Sunday's game against Ray Throvers he probably will play a strong side I can't if he played a strong side against Aloha away so why would he play a really really weak inside at home against Wraith Rovers he'll see it as an opportunity to entertain because that's what he loves doing and he'll want to put the best team in the park to do that so I couldn't I couldn't tell you what the team will be but I can't imagine it'll be far away from something resembling what has been the last few weeks Um, whether that's Maeda or Jack Marcus it's it's kind of good to have a different option up front, you know. Yeah, like just, yeah. just we've not got all. Well, at one point, like earlier on in the season, all we had was Kyogo, and we were looking about, going, "Who else can if he gets injured, which he has done?" We had nobody else to come in, and I think there's so much attacking prowess in the front, the front sort of four or five, that you know, even if your striker isn't scoring a goal, Jota scores two last night, um, and O'Reilly gets one, uh, you know, gets off the mark as well. I think O'Reilly's probably going to chip in with a lot more goals between now and the end of the season because he's got it in his locker. I know last night was a deflection, um, but I still think that you know he's 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 got enough about him that he'll 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 contribute a, a lot more in the goal scoring uh, stakes between now and the end of the season. The the, the interesting thing is, uh, by the way, your two mates who you shared the car with speak a lot of sense. Uh, I, yeah. Agree agree with me there, uh, not. And when you look at the goal that O'Reilly scored, he gets the ball because Maeda's. Harry and the defender and he's having to, to win a header and he's he's putting him under pressure. That's the kind of work that doesn't really get noticed that much, uh, you know. And I think that after the Rangers game, I remember coming away from that, not thinking Yakimakis had played particularly well, but you go on social media and everybody's raving about Yakimakis that night. Um, and I remember Chris Sutton was going on about him as well. So the following day, you sit down, you watch the game. When you remove the emotion, although I was still feeling, I was still buzzing the next day, you remove the emotional element of being in the moment and you watch it and you analyse the, the performance a wee bit differently. Um, what we've got in Yakimakis, I think what we, we thought we were signing was someone who scored a lot of goals. And I don't think we do have a player that scores a lot of goals in Yakimakis. I think he had a, a fairly prolific season last year in a very good league last year for a very poor side. So he comes to Celtic and you think he's going to replicate that because we create so many chances. I mean, if you're playing for a club that gets relegated and you still manage to score 20 plus goals, you think, well, you must, you're, you know, um, you must be scoring a lot of your chances. Your conversion rate must be high because mm-hmm. you're not going to be, you know, making a lot of chances against the likes of Ajax, etc. It comes to Celtic, we historically create a lot of chances. There's a lot of balls goes into the box. And I think that there was this feeling that Yakamakis would score a lot of goals. I mean, Scott McDonald comes in from Motherwell, scores 32 goals for Celtic. A, because he's a good goal scorer. Um, however, the biggest reason for that is because of the chances that are getting laid on a plate for, for a, a striker wearing the green and white hoops domestically. So Yakamakis hasn't been that player that I think I certainly expected him to be. And I'm now looking at other areas of the game, the game that, that are strong. 
Um, and he, you know, is strong. That's his biggest area is the physicality. There might come a point, though, and I think it might become frustrating when, you know, it can't always come down to Seagrass having a great game or Kelly having a great game or McGregor having a great game because you do need to get some kind of um, goal return from your centre forward. You know, you can't have a non-goal scoring centre forward. I know that became a thing a few years back, but you would expect them because there might come a point where uh, we're not getting that breakthrough and Yota's not scoring a couple of goals and Abada's not getting a purple patch of form and it's down to your centre forward and you need to score the goal. So I think there's a few tests before I'm completely convinced, but I didn't write him off. It's not like I called him Kaskamakis or something, right? Because I've seen Tony Cascarino. I think I've seen every game he played. And he was he was rotten, and you could see it from you know the very early performances that he was rotten. And I didn't write Yakamakis completely off. Um, however, I'm not convinced yet, and hopefully, he can come back into the side. Will he start against Wraith Rovers? I'll ask you first, Brian. Let's have a wee chat about the Wraith Rovers game coming up this weekend. There's a few that I've got question marks alongside. I'm thinking Rogic, Yakamakis, Julien, even Scales. Are any of these guys going to start for you? I think so, yeah. I think you probably see Welsh coming back in as well, um, just to, to, to try it up. But listen, like you were talking about with, with Yakimakis, it's the same with Matty Comida. I just don't think he had a great game last night, but I think he's going to be a brilliant player for us. You're allowed to criticise players if they're not having a great game. Hatati wasn't great either, and I was doing Kartu signing his name last week. So, like, it, it's nobody's writing anybody off. Um, and I think that on the cup game against Wraith, I can agree with GP. I don't see any reason why he won't play a strong side. He's determined to win trophies. I think you see a bit of rotation, but the good thing is, if we're rotating a, a full 11 now, it's still going to be strong. And that's the advantageous position we're in versus the start of the season. So I think it's a strong side. Um, I think Maida might start, actually. Just um, just to, to try and give him another chance to get through 90 minutes under his belt. Um, but you really don't know. And I suppose that's part of the excitement. Yeah, what about yourself, JP? I mean, after throwing these players into the mix, Julian was part of the, the squad last night. He didn't make the bench. I was reading this morning that Dembele was also part of the, the squad last night. That That's that's brilliant as well to see him coming back in. But the skills thing, I'm just looking at um, if Cameron Carter-Vickers or Starfield get injured or suspended at some point, um, the go-to at the moment is Welsh. So you're kind of thinking, well, let's get some game time in, in skills his legs in his preferred centre-half position. Let's get Julien some game time so that if we need them between now and the end of the season, they can be called upon and you're going to be a wee bit more confident that they're going to have that sharpness. That, that's why I've thrown Julian and Scales into the mix. Rogic, how do you fit him in? Do you automatically take Hatati out because he was not his usual uh, standard last night? And Yakamakis, it's flipping a coin for me between him and and um, Maeda. But the, the one thing's for sure, in the Alloa game probably reaffirmed this, You've got to play a strong side. I mean, we've seen it. Remember we drew against Arbroath at home. We had to go away and, and we beat them one nothing. Adam Matthews. Um, and we know all the famous games we've been beating. Confirm with extra time. Yeah. Under Rodgers. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, at Aloha at home, uh, when they had Jack Ross, that was a tough game. You know, I, I, there's no way we can take it for uh, granted that we're just going to, you know, steamroll them. I hope we do, obviously. But I mean, I, I certainly, I'm not going into that game going, putting bets on for, Five, six, seven, nil, or anything like that, because it doesn't doesn't work like that. I would imagine Beaton might come in. He'll obviously have an eye on Bodo Glimt, which is amazingly next Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't believe that's come round as quickly as it has. But um, 
also looked into the away trip. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned this before on air, but my word, that is not an easy place to get to. I think we've got 500 tickets or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, fair play to anybody making that journey because it is it is not a, you know, a two-hour direct flight, you know, and then, you know, sunshine. <laughs> it's <laughs> pretty much the Arctic Circle and it must probably take whatever airport you get to, you're going to then need a further hell of a journey after that to actually get there. Because if you look it up on a map, it's just this little dot in the middle of nowhere and there's nothing round about it. So, um, but yeah, I think you'll have an eye on Sunday for, for Thursday. So maybe McGregor might get a rest mm. uh, and bring Beaton in. Forrest may start instead of um, uh, Abada because um, he obviously didn't start last night. Um, but I, I, I don't think it's going to be wholesale wholesale changes. Maybe might give uh, Bain a game because it's home. I don't, I don't know. It's, that's just total speculation. It's just you know how these things usually go in these cup games. Players come in to get to get a ninety minutes under their belt, um, and you know we'll just we'll, we'll take it from there. Just hopefully we're in the in the hat the next day. Ray, Ray Rovers is a is a, is a we've beaten them plenty of times since ninety four, but that. I will I'll always haunt me the yeah. League, League Cup final. That was uh, that was it was not a pleasant night. That that was a sore one, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> and um, never watched the game back. Never will. Now, um, JP, it's always a pleasure. We haven't actually um, hit the the klaxon for the music chat today, so we need to return to that next week. Um, Brian, it's been oh, a God. pleasure. Carpenter. Oh, we did, we did, we did, and Decker took us the oasis. Yes. Proper old school uh, Celtic part of that Top of the World song. I've not heard that since the 90s. And it's not as if we've not had the opportunity to sing Top of the League looking down on the Rangers in the last decade. But for whatever reason, it's just, I don't know, it's just never been sang. And then mm. all of a sudden, out of nowhere at Patodre, it's just, it was, it was the anthem of last night. And it's great to hear because I, I remember that fondly. Also remember fondly singing We'll Meet Again. Um, Vera Lynn at uh, any team that was getting relegated. That, that, that was always a, uh, a really uh, enjoyable chant. Remember singing it against Hibs at Celtic Park when they were going down under Alec McLeish, if I remember rightly. Uh, I remember the Pars sang Happy Birthday Dear Celtic and we sang back, you'll be back, you'll be back, you'll be back. And then it all went a wee bit sour with Chris Sutton a few years later. By the way, that ticket to your right as you look on the screen isn't a Wraith Rovers ticket, it's Blackburn Rovers. We played them in a friendly, it was at Hamden. I remember that well. We beat one uh, one. It was one each. Andy Walker scored. Um, so thank you, Brian, for switching your Wednesday to a Thursday. Thank you, JP Mason, for joining us as usual on a Thursday. And thanks everybody for getting involved. If you haven't done so already, get yourself on the YouTube channel. We've got massive content coming your way. So excited about a lot of the things that we're working on, and we'll be putting it on the YouTube channel, fully produced, all free of charge. So thank you all for joining us on a Celtic State of Mind.
Hey, what's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything. But losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 